0: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to episode 11 of the Don't Tread On podcast. I'm your host, Torn Donowski. I am running for mayor here in Philly. If you haven't heard, I keep saying that over and over again. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff going on uh, with the campaign. I've been meeting with the campaign team, and we're really excited to get rolling. Um, I have a special guest tonight, a, another candidate in my candidate series here, highlighting um, LPPA candidates across the board from General Assembly to all the way up to uh, governor and U.S. Senate. Um, So I'm excited about that. I think next week I will be having Caroline Avery from uh, PA House or, well, U.S. Congress District 1. Um, That'll be an excellent episode. And then after that, let's see, I think I've got the governor candidate coming on. I've got a state Senate candidate, a couple more state legislator candidates. Uh, Yeah, just full jam-packed. And uh, I hope you enjoyed my last episode with with Vince Feldman, taking a little bit of a break from uh, pure politics. But we're back at it here tonight, and uh, I would like to welcome in... Uh, one, Brittany Kosin from up in Bucks County. She is running for District 178. How are you doing today, Brittany? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Excited to have you on. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. Yeah. So uh, tell my viewers a little bit about yourself. You know, uh, who are you? What do you do? Um, why uh, Why libertarian politics? Why run for office? <laughs>
1: Well, I am currently working as an emergency room registered nurse up in the Lehigh Valley area. Um, I'm a mom of three. I'm happily married, and we have two little doggos that are uh, keeping us busy. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, I really got involved pretty much with uh, politics in general when everything started with the pandemic and wanting to mask our kids and virtual schooling and everything. My oldest is autistic. um, So he gets a lot of services through the school district for occupational therapy and and different things. And then my daughter, who's now eight, turning nine, she just started kindergarten that year and ended up having that, that's like a very pivotal year just learning handwriting and ABCs and just getting everything squared away. And she ended up having that cut short um, and going virtual. And I really think that that did a lot of harm than good for her foundation of education. And so that really got me involved in wanting to make sure that we weren't forgetting the kids that need that in person instruction and that social skills and, and all of that, that they didn't get forgotten and being a nurse seeing how we were treated during the pandemic and how we started out as heroes and these great people and now they're like uh yeah you can reuse a mask for days on end and Mm -hmm. we're not going to give you enough ppe and you're going to have six seven patients and you're going to be doing all this work and holding icu patients in your er and and just all this extra work and we My hospital did compensate us very well on that, Um, but at the same time, we did lose a lot of nurses that said, you know what, I'm going to retire early, I'm going to go into tele-nursing because that became a very big thing during the pandemic, and they just went and left bedside, or I don't want to get the vaccine, that was a big thing, it's untested as much as I feel comfortable with, and just a lot of nurses left bedside nursing, which created a massive vacuum and shortage which just made the system more stressed than it already was. In addition to dealing with a pandemic, um, I did start out as a Republican um, back in for the primary uh, in May. I was I'm I'm pretty conservative. I'm very strong on the uh, Second Amendment and I am pro life and with a lot of I did I was very Republican in how I lived leaned with a lot of stuff and when they I just didn't fit the mold for my local GOP I was a little too outspoken I had a I had a little couple views that leaned more liberal in the fact of I'm okay with gay marriage I believe that you can marry who you want you can smoke pot if you want and you can defend yourself with an AR-15 like I I'm okay with that like you, those are things that you should be allowed to do. And with that, they weren't real fans of that. So they Mm. found a candidate to run against me and then ended up getting me off the ballot for the primary due to signatures. I just had too many independents on my on my list. And it was people that just tended to vote Republican, but didn't realize they were registered independent. Uh. And so that's where I got off with that. And they I just was not a fan of how they were running their just running everything they they were just taking notes out of the the democrats playbook of being very corrupt and and everything (laughs) um like if you didn't and it's a big thing of we my husband and i are not fans of brian fitzpatrick um and because of that he's their poster child so if you're not on his bandwagon then you're nobody and Mm -hmm. they will do everything they can to get rid of you which mm. leads into what's going on now with me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that, that's, that's my new stressor. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing how much, uh, both Democrats and Republicans screech about free and fair elections. And then it when it comes down to getting somebody on the ballot, uh, for you know a third party or just someone who doesn't fit the mold they lose their minds as if mm-hmm. you know most third parties aren't going to draw a, a, a ton of votes and so there's not a huge um, there's not a huge threat I mean I guess I guess in their minds are like well you might draw votes away from us and go to the towards the other person uh, but like come on we're, we're they're supposed to have free and fair elections this is uh, allegedly uh you know a democratic republic uh but they do whatever they can to um you know keep people out so you are you're running as a libertarian now um mm-hmm. in the 178th district where where exactly is that in bucks county
1: So the 178th covers Warwick Township, Rite Town, Northampton and Upper Southampton. Okay. So it's right there around uh kind of central lower central box.
0: Mm -hmm. And so you went out and you gathered signatures this time as a libertarian and you're running into another issue, aren't you as a a libertarian candidate?
1: (laughs) So this time they're not going after me for my signatures because I have more than enough signatures. And they even said back in May, if I had like 500, 600 signatures, they wouldn't have even contested it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're not going for me for signatures now, they're going after me for sore Loser, um, which is election code 976E. Um, So they're going after that saying that because I submitted paperwork back in May, even though I didn't show up on the ballot, my papers were technically filed. And so under that election code, you cannot file again for the general election. Mm -hmm. even if you switch um, parties or whatever. Um, So they're trying to get me off for that. And the big thing is, is that I have a lot of momentum and I have a lot of attraction towards my campaign. And it's a very red district. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we're like plus eight or more red. So Mm -hmm. the, the Democrat seem candidate seems to just be on there so that they don't just give away the election. Mm -hmm. Um, And then again, the, Bucks County GOP seems to be very. I'm not their fit, so they're gonna try everything they can to get rid of me because I'm obviously some type of threat to them. And with the polls going on, um, it seems like it, when you average them all together, I'm about plus three in the oh, polls, wow. which yeah, which is pretty good. And yeah. and like in in my um, opponent, uh, the Republican opponent, in her uh, own hometown. Her own hometown,ship hometown in Wrightstown. I'm only behind her by one. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> when I'm only behind you by one in your own hometown, that kind of is is, is a threat, and they don't like that. Um, yeah. I plan even if they get me off and everything, I still plan to run in 2024. Like I'm not I'm not backing down, and I'm gonna run straight right from the get go as Libertarian. So I'm I'm gonna file everything crisp, clean, and no no room for them to find any fault in in anything so that there's no way they can try to do anything and and get it that there's a, it's a true free and fair election that I get in yeah it and, sounds
0: like uh <laughs> it so uh it doesn't sound like you're the one being the sore loser here
1: <laughs> no not at all i'm just trying to give everybody a chance to have an option to see all the options that they have to choose from. Um, they have there's a big there's a big group on our Facebook. It's um, independent voters of now now it's Bucks County. It mm-hmm. Used to be Northampton. Um, and I'm probably one of the most active of the three candidates in that area. Um, I I have people that used to go after every single one of my posts because they didn't agree with me. Um, going and saying. I might not agree with your policies, but I think you should have a chance to be on the ballot. Like yep. there's a, there's a big thing with there's I have a lot of support in that. And I like with the, the, the Republican candidate, it's, she's trying so hard to just skate by with that R. Um, she's a school board member. Um, she just got elected last year into mm-hmm. her position, like a couple months after she won the election, um, she went and announced that she was running. So I'm like, you're going to abandon your students um, <laughs> for this because you just got elected and, and they had to put a lot of money out to get you elected because you had to go and fight for a recount and signature or, and uh, votes and you ended up winning by one vote. Oh, wow. Uh, so <laughs> the fact that you had to bring in legal action and, and do recounts and you just happened to win by one vote. I don't know how popular you really are in your district. Um, wow. She doesn't go on record. She won't do debate. She won't. She blocks constituents on her Facebook. Um, she's blocked my page, my personal page, my husband's page, my campaign manager. Um, <laughs> anyone that asks her to do a debate with me and the other can, the Democratic candidate, um, they they get blocked. They get ignored. Um she just does not want to go on record. Um, when you go to try and like videotape her at like a public event, she has a conniption and puts her hands up and stops talking and like has a little hissy fit over it that she's gonna be recorded, but like she's a school board member, so she's technically an elected public official. Yeah. She's She's not winning any fans, and she's lo- seems to be losing more than she's gaining, other than the fact that you have a lot of people that will blindly vote YAR. Um, and there are some groups that just went and were saying that they're America first and then went and said, oh, well, because we didn't get our candidates in as Republicans, just vote R to keep the R so that we keep the majority in the House or majority here or that. And I'm like, well, that defeats the purpose of what you were doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's this—it's like this us versus them uh, politics. And if you're not with us, you're against us. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you, you leaning conservative, there are probably a lot of really key issues that if you were elected, you'd probably vote in, be voting along with the Republicans. I mean, there's going to be some that you won't. But it's mm-hmm. like, what's, what, yeah, what's the point? Like, what's,
1: just what's the point? Yeah, it's like, I have a couple that um, it, it's, I, I'm never going back to Republican. I'm definitely not switching Democrat. Like I found my home. I found my setting with being Libertarian, just how welcoming Buck's um, Libertarian Party is, yeah. how helpful everyone is. And just in general, the whole community that is the libertarian community and our beliefs just really seem to meld well with mine and my husband's beliefs of just how we how we live our lives and and everything. Um again you always have your extremes of like let's get rid of all the government. It's like (laughs) that yes that that's a great idea but We, baby steps little little steps little steps like like in my my inner my my uh, candidate interview and stuff like that I'm like it, it, like 10 15 years yeah that that's a good idea but not now we, we can't do that right this second we need to we need to game plan and and do things and like one of my um, platforms is uh, reducing school taxes for our senior citizens mm-hmm. and like with that like my there's a huge population of senior citizens in my district that are really getting taxed out of their homes because they have property tax and, and all their other taxes and school tax, and they don't even have kids in the districts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm like, I don't think they should be paying a hundred percent of the school tax, but at the same time right now, they still should contribute a little bit because they still should contribute to the um, future generations and yeah. the education and, 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 advancing our future. Um, but there's a lot of people like, oh, well, where are you going to get the money to compensate for all of that coming away? I'm like, well, I'm going to want to legalize marijuana all the way and take all that money. And even our medical marijuana money just kind of disappears in Harrisburg. Um, it's taxed on like all levels. It's taxed on the growing and the dispensaries and you get the people that have to pay to get their card and the caregivers and the doctors, like. Everyone pays a little bit into that pot and no pun intended, (laughs) but it it goes and it goes to Harrisburg and it just it just disappears in the Treasury. Like there's no allocation for those funds. And if we can get those funds allocated to something and and with that, that would help um, offset that tax reduction on our senior citizens. And like yep. another thing I'm for is I'm calling it parental choice because school choice has a really bad connotation with it now. Yep. And it's more parental choice because that's what it is. It's the parents are choosing which school is best for their child. Um, and we have a lot of Catholic schools. We have some charter schools out this way. Um, and some of them like our Catholic school, uh, we get uh, there's like certain school dishes to get let's say like. Seventeen grand a year in taxes for each student. Well, the Catholic school only costs $10,000 a mm-hmm. year in tuition. So why can't, if that parent wants to send that child to Catholic school, because they like that curriculum better, that that schooling, then the school district should send a check to the Catholic school and say, hey, Susie wants to go to your school, so here's her tuition. And they get to keep the difference.
0: Mm-hmm. So now
1: they're making money off of sending a kid to another school that the parents want to choose from, the parents don't have to pay out any more money. The kid gets the education the parents want. And kind of like everybody wins. The, the, the private schools get an increase in attendance because some of them have it, that it's their tuition and their needs. Just the parents are like, I'm paying $10,000 a year in school taxes. and I want to send these my kids to the school, and that's $10,000 a year extra. Like, I don't have $20,000 a year to send my kid to school, so they're just going to go to public school. And it, it starts to hold the schools accountable when you start mm-hmm. seeing a decrease in your in your attendance that, well, maybe we need to fix something. Like, what's this school that all the kids are going to doing right that we're not? Yeah. And it just kind of helps fix our education system ever since it became um, public and, and federally addressed and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I like to affectionately call that route, uh, I, I steal it from Tim Poole, universal access to education. <laughs> you know, the, the, quickest, the quickest way to, to, to fix inequity in schools is have the money follow the students, not the schools. And the biggest, the quickest rebuttal is, well, that means you're going to defund the public schools. Well, that's you're making my argument because if if everybody's going to take their money away from the public schools, that's something saying something really bad about the public schools.
1: Yeah. And even if you have it, because like my school district with Central Bucks, they do pretty good with the idea of they kind of cohort the children together with their needs. Mm -hmm. Um, So they'll send kids like if you are an autistic child that needs behavioral support they'll send them to a school where there's other kids in a class that needs that support so that they don't have two kids in each class at 15 elementary schools. Cause like we're a big district Mm -hmm. and stuff. So that's a, a, I like how the concept of what we have is, is a nice idea. Um, Another thing like I kind of stand for, I've I've mentioned with the whole legalizing marijuana and everything is uh, decriminalizing, like criminalizing the addict. Not and not punishing them for their acts. And mm-hmm. that goes into my mental health reform, being an ER nurse, and, and my ER has an emergency behavioral health unit. And I see nothing but people that are looking for dual diagnosis uh, treatment facilities, because they're addicted to some type of drug or alcohol use and have mental illness that they're basically trying to treat with those. And they go and have it that they need to make mental health more effective and not have it that we, the people that are self medicating, there are some street drugs that do actually work if you like microdose um, shrooms and different things like that, that the microdosing stuff actually probably works better than half the stuff that comes off the, out of the pharmaceuticals. And it's just that's something that really is big for me is is making access to mental health and not making it such a stigma to get help that it's not like oh, you're broken oh you you're you're weak like because you need to go to therapy like no, <laughs> yeah. you're strong because you're asking for help and and going and helping yourself and, yep. and, and and bettering yourself for others like so that you can stay with your kids and and your family and keep your job and, and be able to do your day-to-day things and not worry about which way you're going to try to kill yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: it's just, it, we need to really reform our mental health system. And that's, that's like one of my little, uh, dear to my heart type things that I have. Um, it's just something I really want to work on.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of the issues that we're seeing, especially around Philly, in Philly, a lot of it comes down to mental health. I mean, why why is violence skyrocketing? Well, people were locked in their homes. People lost their jobs. They've lost hope. They've turned to drugs. They turned to alcohol. And you know, our our response is just you know, put them on drugs that have no no end in sight. Whereas you know, something for me, a pet project of mine is I, I want to see psychedelics legalized or at least decriminalized because. There's legitimate scientific evidence, uh, if not proof, that they really help. Like psychedelics, like increase the neuroplasticity in your brain so that you can form new thought patterns. So instead of, you know, when you face a trigger uh, that might send you down into depression or anxiety or, you know, whatever, and then you decide to treat that with alcohol or marijuana. Well, marijuana is neither here nor there, but alcohol or other drugs, you know, you're able to instead of that trigger sending you down that path, you're able to pivot um, with help. Like if you just take a psychedelic just to take it, um, it's not going to do much for you. Like you need to be intentional, but like that stuff needs to be available. Like, why aren't Mm -hmm. we? Yeah. Why aren't we exploring every possible option to help people? You know, from both a mental and physical health standpoint, I have no idea. That's a pet project of mine, too. So I'm excited to hear, excited to hear that from you.
1: Yeah. And, and even like the whole, there's all, uh, there was that whole push for universal health care and stuff. And that just doesn't, doesn't help because it just creates backlogs and, and everything. And it gets the government too involved in everyone's care. And it actually reduces jobs because people like my mom who work in insurance, health insurance, field their job will go away because there's no free market for healthcare insurance like you people don't have choices like even with our um current state insurance there's at least choices like we can pick between like four different um options for medicaid and stuff and medicare there's options because not every insurance plan fits each patient specifically like my husband has a different insurance than me and the kids because he needs it for some of his, his treatments and stuff that it's something he needs that insurance. Cause they cover those things more. They mm-hmm. cover the scooter and different things that he needs for his physical disabilities. Whereas we, my son, my son and I and stuff have different ones because of the medications we take and everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen or heard of an example of like universal health care that's actually fixed anything. I mean, I've heard the horror stories about like the NHS over in over in Britain and then all the stuff like everybody was raving about Canada's universal health care. And then COVID hit and you started hearing horror stories about, you know, people, you know, not getting diagnosed with cancer until it was too late because the government wouldn't let them come and see them
1: like it's just yeah like they have up there they have too they because of covid they closed like blood donation centers and they're like yeah we need blood but i'm like yeah we can't donate because the closest center you had is now five hours away like (laughs) i can't (laughs) donate blood now (laughs) like and you but you need it so yeah there's there's a whole can of worms that you open when you start making things free and and that's the biggest air quotes ever around that word. <laughs> Nothing is ever free. It's always something cost somewhere, and like it's like like freedom. Freedom's not free. We have our soldiers and our, our military that goes and and defends us, and, and it ties me right into with uh, the whole. When I heard about coming over to libertarian and stuff, when I heard about defend the guard,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: really like dove into like what it stands for and everything. I was like, that's a no brainer. Like, (laughs) we have a. I I went and I told, I went to my husband, I'm like, we have an army, we have Marines, we have Navy, we have Air Force. See how they all have nothing after them. We have a Coast Guard, guards the coast, and we have a National Guard, guards the nation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Makes sense. They shouldn't leave the nation that they're to guard. (laughs) Like, we really need to keep them here because I've seen and done some research and seen when we had I think it was Katrina uh, it was one of the hurricanes down down south they actually had it that one of the states their national guard was over in Iraq or Afghanistan Mm -hmm. or something and they were deployed like a good like 75 to 90 percent of them were deployed out of the country and we had this big natural disaster well, the National Guard of your state is supposed to be the ones to respond to natural disasters and help set up all the FEMA stuff and and set up everything to help their state. Well, when a large majority of your National Guard isn't there, you're now relying and stressing other states to come help you. And that's not a good idea. That just makes everything worse, everything's delayed. And that's when you have all the issues of what we had in Katrina. And even with Kentucky, with cutting funding and everything, and that's more along the army Corps of engineers stuff where they're no longer dredging the river. I think it's the Ohio river. Um, They're not dredging that anymore. That's why we're getting all the flooding in Kentucky Mm -hmm. every year. We're having these massive floods and my area we're always sending more fire gear and, and supplies and personnel and and like my my group that I deal with we send we send either people or like just different resources down to them. And it's been three years we're like there's other places that need help and if constantly having to help the same state Outside of our own, it makes things very difficult for us to help others that we want to share and help and and assist when it's something so simple as like let's just redo what we used to do that worked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so defend the guard, just to, just so that I'm clear and the and the viewers are clear that would be legislation that keeps each state's uh, national guard at home. Uh, if Congress hasn't explicitly declared war, correct?
1: Correct. There, there needs to be a declaration of war against someone in order for the national guard of whatever state to be accessible, to be deployed outside of their state. Okay. So, um, oh, outside of the country. Yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) So that gets rid of everything in the last 20 years. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Pretty much since nas- our 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 weekend warriors aren't weekend warriors anymore. They get deployed probably more often than our actual enlisted of Army, milit- Marines, and and this the like, mm-hmm. which is insane because they're people that are volunteering and have full time jobs outside of their National Guard service, and they have they're like a lot of them are teachers. There's a lot that are teachers that are in the National Guard mm-hmm. and they're getting deployed more often than the ones that are in the the regular armed forces, which is insane. Like these the armed forces members go and say, Hey, I want this to be my job. Like yeah. <laughs> you give me a salary and I come to work Monday through Friday and I'm available twenty four seven for you to say, Go to this country and wage war on them. <laughs> Where our National Guard says, yeah, I'll be able to help when needed, but I still have a life. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> talk about common sense legislation. Yeah. Um. <laughs> We have common sense gun laws. We have common sense car laws. We have all kinds of common sense things. Yet we uh, we keep sending people who didn't sign up to go die in battle, to go die in battle. And it's not cool. Um, I wanted to uh, kind of switch gears a little bit and go back to something. Uh, somebody asked a question here, and I wanted to kind of touch on this too. Um, so I'll ask this question and also add my own little flavor to it. Um, somebody says, I I understand you were involved with open PA that was opposing the mask mandates. What was your involvement in this group? And my sort of follow up to that is, uh, yeah. What was it like being a nurse? Did you, um, you know, were you, did you catch on to everything going on with COVID pretty quick? Did it take a while? Like what was all that like?
1: So I started out pretty much with COVID. I had a very new baby. My mm-hmm. my son was born in August of 2019. So I had a very little one. <laughs> um and I had my husband who had just had back surgery for a second time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um actually no, he had it the first time right before I had our youngest. And then I went and I, I was just a lot of it was, yeah, sure, two weeks to flatten the curve. Like makes sense. Like flu and stuff like that. Yeah. Let's, let's go with it. But then two weeks turned to three turned to four and (laughs) now it's two months, three months. I'm like, okay, this is getting a little bit, a little bit out there. And I'm like, what are we doing? And I I wasn't directly involved with OpenPA or reopen box or, or any of those. I wasn't directly involved. Um, I did, at points I did have agreements with some of the stuff they had because again it was like okay enough is enough like people need to be able to make a choice like if they don't want to wear a mask then I can't force them like you want to go along the lines of like my body my choice for abortion and stuff like it's my body my choice for vaccines it's my body my choice for masks like I understand the risk taking if I want to wear it or not um, thank you for educating me on that and I'm going to make my informed decision because I'm an independent individual that can make decisions for myself and for my family and just went and like, I would follow the rules for the stores and stuff because I wanted to shop at the store. Like I needed to get groceries. I needed to go here um, I needed to do things like I still wear my, like, I wear my mask at work because I have to, because I want to keep my job. Um, i have and went and invested in an envo mask the the reusable n95s with the gel and everything because i was wearing them all the time at work so i'm like i want to make sure that i actually have protection so i'm actually like because yeah the patient right in front of me is hacking mm-hmm. up a lung and has COVID. like so um i don't want to get it but like i can't tell between susie or joe over there walking through the store they might just have a sniffles, allergies, a tickle in their throat. They might have emphysema, COPD, something that just causes them to cough. Yep. Like, I, I can't judge them or, or make a decision on, like, why they're coughing and treat it as, like, the plague. Like, so, <laughs> like, if I get it, I get it. I think I've had COVID, like, three times. Like, it's been there, done that. I think when I had the flu, it was worse. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was big into, like, let's get back to normal. And a, a lot of my involvement, again, was back when with the schools, was let's get these kids back to school. Let's get these schools open so that these kids can socialize and, and interact with each other, not through a computer screen. Because I would look at my oldest computer, and no one had their cameras on. Like, it was all black screens. So I'm like, how can my autistic son – who needs to learn how to interact with people and read body language, be able to read body language from a blank screen? And how can these teachers <laughs> understand if the kids are lost or under are grasping it because you can't see them nodding their head or, or like this confused look on their face? So that was my big thing of like, let's get these things open. Let's get these small businesses being able to open and not have so many restrictions on these small businesses so that. They don't shrivel up and die. Like I know a couple small businesses because of my business being a small business. And I had a couple that ended up going under or just could not afford to, to use my services anymore because they didn't have the staff. So they didn't need the shirts or the, the different materials that we provide. So I was hurting and with me hurting though, they're obviously hurting and then they end up closing and now I lose a client and I'm at risk for closing. Like it was like, no, we need to, to get back to normal. Like at at what point is enough enough?
0: Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you as an ER nurse know better than most people that, One size fits all does not work when it comes to medicine. I mean, if you, I I mean, some, you know, an old person in pain might need a certain amount of morphine or something. But if you give that to a six-month-old, then they're going to die. Like, it's just not uh, not good. Um, It didn't work anywhere. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned My Body, My Choice. um, And you also mentioned earlier that you're pro-life. Um, where, where do you stand with all of this stuff going on
1: with it? So uh, like coming from, like, I am very pro-life, like I personally, like I, I, I've, I've been through a miscarriage. I've been through infertility issues. Like I understand having a baby and, and the want and seeing friends who can't have kids wanting to have children. And I'm pro-life in the fact of like, I understand that there's women that are just not in a position to, to care for a child. But I think we need to fix our adoption system and help these women and under and help them understand that there is another option that you can put this child up for adoption and give it to a family that's once a child and that's been trying and just just can't like they just cannot. And it's the same, it goes on to my whole thing of I, I'm, I support gay marriage like that boy plus boy or girl plus girl does not make a baby. <laughs> so like I I want them to be able to still have a family like my aunts are are gay and have three boys mm. and they are like the best moms ever like they're great and there's people out there that are just wanting these children that they should be able to have them and I, I understand coming from the medical side and, and coming from just in general and having a, a pretty good head on my shoulders I understand how abortion can be appealing and everything. And and the I understand the, the the need for it at times. And like technically, um there's times where like an ectopic pregnancy is technically an abortion, but the pregnancy is not viable. And it you start getting it's a very gray areas and very mm-hmm. up to interpretation. And I just think I I I'm not gonna shun or harass or belittle a woman for choosing an abortion um i just want to make sure that like again goes back to that mental health that they get the services they need for after i've seen women that have gone through and gotten abortions and regretted it um have gone through and had infertility issues afterwards and it just opens that whole can of worms of mental health issues that they weren't expecting and and you have it that you have a huge hormone drop Mm-hmm. when you have an abortion and there's no one you're just kind of like left to your own devices a lot of times you're not given that those resources so like i don't i understand we can't go and say you you can't have one like no like but at the same time i'm like we need to educate and really get, make sure that everyone understands all of their options again Ballot access, like give everyone their options. Don't just give them two that you think are the best. Like give them everything and make them make an informed decision. But like I'm gonna obviously support things that are more pro-life than pro-choice, just because that's my personal belief.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that. I mean, I think you're what you're saying makes a ton of sense. I mean, I'm I'm personally, you know, I grew I grew up very religious. and so I, I still have a, a strong soft spot for some of that religious conservatism, and I, I very much am pro life. But I'm like, I mean, I, I consider my pro my, myself pro life in like a a very 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 broad sense, meaning like I, if, if a baby's going to be born, I mean, I want that life supported, and you know, just banning abortion doesn't fix that issue um it's it's a it's a cultural issue it's a medical ethics issue and government has never been good at managing any sort of ethical issues i mean government might be like the most e- unethical institution on the planet and so how can we expect government to really figure that out i mean i think like you're what what you're saying. We need like a cultural shift. We need to support adoption. We need to make sure people have informed consent. You know, informed consent isn't just, oh, here are the list and here are the options. And this is what, uh, this is what could or couldn't happen. Will you sign here and we'll give you what you want? No informed consent should be like, let's actually walk you through what's going to happen and make sure you make an informed decision.
1: Yeah. Like, and having it understand, like, yeah, this could happen. But like, here's what I'm going to do to get to that point. Like, here's how you're going to feel after here's all this stuff, like with the surgery, like, being in the medical field, like I make sure like all my patients know, if I'm going to do something like, hey, like, by the way, like this meds, you're going to feel this, you're going to feel that you might feel this, you might feel that you might or might not, but I'm letting you know, uh, even when I do a saline flush in an IV, I'm like, "Hey, you might smell or taste it. Like, just yeah. <laughs> you know. Like, hey, by the way." And a lot of them are like, "Why do you say that?" I'm like, "Give me 30 seconds."
0: <laughs> yeah, and it and it's like it's almost taboo to be like, "Oh, well, uh, yeah, you you might regret this decision uh, when it comes to like abortion." And it, it it shouldn't be. I think every option should be on the table. Everything should be walked through. And if at the end of the day. If at the end of the day, abortion is what somebody decides, I mean, they're gonna decide it and get it anyways. Um, yeah. You know, let's let's make sure we take care of them and make sure that there aren't there isn't any further damage done at that point.
1: Yeah. Let's make sure. Yeah, make sure that we don't lose mom too. Like, yeah. Like, she. I don't think she intends to lose her own life with this too. It, yeah. It's definitely. I said I'm like that and that comes into the pro-life stuff too like I want mom's life to be just as cared for as the child and it's a big thing that people don't quite understand like you can't it's a topic you cannot be one side or the other it is not a black or white topic it is a spectrum there is all different shades of the colors in it and you just can't Pick a stance and and stay there. Like I'm this. Like no, you have to kind of. You gotta be flexible. You gotta be understanding. You gotta. You can't just stay one side. But like you can lean a direction. And I'm very towards the pro life. Like I've said. And and it's. I just don't think I should. Any life should be taken at any point. Like yeah. I. I, I I'll correct that in one thing of I think we should bring back the death penalty in PA, but that's a different – that's a whole different thing. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> innocent lives <laughs> should not be taken.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, I personally struggle with the death penalty a little bit because I, I – I mean, I can understand there's areas where um, – where I guess it could be appropriate. I guess I just, I don't always, uh, I don't always trust uh, the legal system or the government to get it right.
1: And that comes back to like, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed in that process. But if you're going to, if you're going to send someone to death, like in Pennsylvania, we have death row. My mother-in-law is a corrections officer. Like we Mm -hmm. have death row. Then they're, they're sitting in luxury. They, they can, do more crimes in jail because they end up being the shot callers. They can go and and do all this stuff. Like, what are you going to do for do to me? I'm already sentenced to death. You can't, mm. I'm already sentenced here for life and death. Like it's what's the worst you can do to me. Like, yes. it's like, no, we need to, if you say you're going to, if they've gone through and you say that they've done their crime and they've exhausted all of their options and all their appeals and, and everything and it still stands that they need to die then we need to do that like it's just something that you can't keep them sitting there for 30 years because we're paying for all their medical we're they're getting three hops in a cot and it's we're paying for the staff to to keep them in line because i won't call them a guard because guards guard valuable things and most inmates aren't quite valuable Um, and it's just something that if you're gonna do something, you need to follow through with it. You can't just Mm. say like, yeah, oh, you're, yeah, you're grounded, but you get your video games and your TV and your phone and all this stuff, but you got to stay in the house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what I equate it to of, of death row now in Pennsylvania is, yeah, you, you get all your meals and all the stuff taken care of you don't pay for your medical bill so when you start getting cancer because you're old enough um we're mm-hmm. you, going to cover your treatments for that
0: <laughs> yeah uh, crime shouldn't pay um <laughs> but then again i mean there's also you got also have the opposite end of the spectrum i mean how many how many people are locked up in prison for nonviolent offenses like just having too much weed in their
1: pockets and like, that's why i say that's really coming down to decriminalizing the addict it would really ease the burden on our on our uh, correctional system and the fact of they wouldn't be overcrowded some of these nonsense inmates that sometimes cause more trouble than than they're worth because they're trying to make a name for themselves because they're in there and they need to def- create a, a name so that they don't get beat up or picked on or anything like that and it's, they, they end up attacking some of our, uh, corrections officers. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and with that, I'm very big on making corrections officers, peace officers. And with that, it's giving them the ability to arrest and charge within the jail for when they're assaulted or anything along the lines when a, when a inmate commits another crime while incarcerated. Because currently, they have to go take all their documentation, go to local state police, go and submit all their documentation. The state police goes, takes that to the DA. The DA takes that and says, yeah, we're going to charge them. State police comes back, comes into the jail, goes to charge the inmate, and it could take months with all that. And if we just streamline the system, making it the corrections officers or peace officers... They can go and take that information, go straight to the D.A., bypass the state police and and get all these charges done a lot faster because sometimes you have it. It's these guys that are in there for six, nine, 12 months and they do it at month 10. And they're by the time they're all done, they're already out and in the wild and you can't find them because yeah. they've esconded and they know that they're going to get in trouble if they're showing up to anything because they know that charge charges coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, this reminds me of one interesting topic too. Um, I've I've had some friends talk about like felons rights. Um, And one thing that you're not doing with the system is like you send somebody away. Say they actually legitimately could commit a crime. Uh, They make a, they make a bad decision. Say they drink, they drive, they hit somebody, uh, they, they go, they do their time and then they get out and because they have a record, they can't find a job. So it's like, as soon as, as soon as you hit that incarceration, that step of incarceration, your life's over unless you get lucky and mm-hmm. so that just kind of feeds the cycle like you you then okay so maybe you do your time you do your five years you get out nobody will give you a job so what do you do you go commit more crimes you go get hooked on stuff you shouldn't be hooked on like there's got to be some serious serious reform that mm-hmm. um actually gives people a chance to to make it you know, make changes. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that people can change and not everybody will, but uh, you gotta, gotta give people a chance at
1: least. Yeah. Like the, the, the concept of incarceration really was for more so, I, I believe is what its intended purpose was rehabilitation. Like that person did a crime, like you're basically grounding an adult and mm-hmm. they need to learn from their, th- their, or crime. Like, so you have to have it that there's resources and there, there's just having that there's not, I don't want to use like the word incentive, but it seems to fit the bet. Like there's some sort of incentive for certain job fields, mm-hmm. like more blue collar job fields, because those are some of the skills that they can um, go through. And they are some that they use while incarcerated doing different things in the, in the jail for jobs that that can translate back out to general society. And I, I know like out over in Europe and stuff, they're not allowed to request your criminal background history um, for, for different reasons. Like they're, they're not allowed to, unless it's like for a specific reason.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that eliminates a lot of the problems that we have where it's like, well, in order to get hired here at McDonald's, like you need to pass a criminal background check. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I don't need to pass a criminal back- to flip hamburgers or fry French fries. Like, that's something I don't think like, sure to work the register. Like, I'm pretty sure you don't want to hire someone that's there for for lar- for theft yeah. and money and 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 um, embezzlement. Like, I'm pretty sure you don't want that person working on your register. But at the same time, like there's other jobs elsewhere that, okay, maybe cause your crime is this, like you can't get that type of job because it's too close to what you did.
0: <laughs> but yeah.
1: there's jobs out there that are totally different.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think incentives is a good word because, you know, human, I mean, the human brain operates off of incentives, you know, it operates off of good incentives and bad incentives. And, you know, if, if, if you get rewarded for doing something good, I mean, your brain kind of gets that dopamine hit and wants to keep doing it. Yet if you get rewarded or disincentivized from doing something bad, it's, it's, it's kind of the same way. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I sort of I definitely like that idea of, um, you know, using. Cause there's, there's like two types of prisons. There's, there's rehabilitation and then there's keeping people that are dangerous off the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if someone is able to be rehabilitated, you know, why not, you know, give them like, teach them skills while they're in prison, teach them, um, you know, just, right. to, yeah, just don't do what Kamala did and use the, keep them in prison longer to, uh, um, in order to sort of, build roads i mean that was that's disgusting i mean that's like yeah
1: no (laughs) it's it it, let's let's set them up with a a trade school that comes into the jail and then if they get released they can continue with the trade school outside like they might still be doing the same job but they're now in civilian clothes instead of their jumpsuit
0: yep yep so we've got about uh we're, we're coming up on the hour we got about you know about 10 minutes or so um just wanted to let any live listeners know if you have any um if you have any more questions uh feel free to ask in the next uh, few minutes uh but yeah just wanted to give you a chance to, to make sure we we hit on everything you wanted to talk about and make sure we didn't didn't miss anything so far
1: i think i think a lot of it is a, is a lot of stuff that i've I pretty much covered every a majority of what I stand for. stuff. So, um, a couple of little things to throw in there, like um, big on like open space and, and keeping as much open space as we can within reason. Um, like I'm a big avid camper and an outdoors person. So I'd love to see open space and natural parks and everything. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I understand that population grows and, and all that. So we do need to keep, uh, developing to within reason. But I think we should work within our uh, natural environment and try to do the least amount of harm as possible just so that we have our resources for longer. Mm-hmm. Fresh water, clean water, uh, oxygen comes from our trees. If we cut it down and make it an uh, uh, asphalt wasteland, there's no trees, there's no oxygen. We're going to be living like uh, the Lorax with the oxygen bottles. <laughs> <laughs> and everything cut down all the trees
0: yeah uh speaking of that uh what uh i mean you don't you don't have to have any fully fleshed out thoughts on this but like what are your thoughts on things like sustainability and and some other stuff that's coming up with like green energy and mandating oh. like electric vehicles and all that stuff
1: with green energy and mandating the electric vehicles um electric vehicles use more petroleum products than an actual vehicle um it's more hazardous to create a lithium battery than it is to make a regular gasoline vehicle um the lithium mines are more hazardous than a um petroleum pipeline to our environment um petroleum pipelines you can have them buried underground and have the uh a nice walking path on top of it. A lithium mine uh, redu- just obliterates the grounds. Like it's just nothing. It's a, it's their strip mines. So it's yeah. literally layer after layer after layer taken away. Um, the concept is a great idea, but yeah, let's not use gasoline. Let's not create uh, more carbon dioxide and increase the size of our ozone hole and all this stuff. Like, yeah, great buzzwords. Great great manipulative verbiage but do you realize like most of that vehicle is petroleum products like it's made out of plastic (laughs) Yep. (laughs) most of our stuff in our homes is petroleum based and made out of all that like coming from the fire service have been a firefighter for 15 years like back in the day you used to be able to tell what a fire looked like what what was burning in a home based on the color of the smoke now it's always black always black smokes you're like okay i have (laughs) no clue what's burning in this house it could be the carpets it could be the walls it could be the oil burner in the basement (laughs) yep um it actually turns out that natural gas and nuclear energy are actually cleaner than anything uh we have and again they're somewhat limited in the fact of they have a finite resource um Again, natural gas is limited. Nuclear is limited. Um, Again, comes with a lot of regulations for that. But a big thing is like Pennsylvania sits on probably more natural gas than Saudi Arabia has oil. And it's a big thing of like could really help Pennsylvania's finances and um, subsidizing a lot of tax cuts is opening up natural gas. And you don't have to do just fracking. Um, yeah. I know fracking has such a bad, bad <laughs> deal with it, with everything without in Michigan and all that. And it's like, that's not necessarily all the reasons from fracking. It's because their mayor went and approved a reroute of the water system onto old pipes that they didn't check were clean first yep. and maintained. So that's, you got to get your whole story straight before you start bashing something.
0: Yeah. I know we have uh, um, I know we have some uh, really strong people in the energy space and uh, the Mises Caucus. I think there's a there's a gentleman I I mean, you probably haven't met him. I, I've only met him a couple of times. He used to live in Philly. Now he's in Texas. But a gentleman named Matt Wallace, who uh, I think he does a lot of work with energy and he just did a debate, I think, with a know, was it was it with the green party on energy or somebody else? Uh, he just did a debate and I'd, I'd love to get him connected. I got a friend here in Philly who is uh, his whole job is like uh, construction sustainability. I'd love to connect those two and like really think of some solutions here. Cause yeah, what, what we're doing isn't working. I mean, obviously we want to, obviously we want to be good stewards of our planet. We want to take good care of it. Uh, but we can't like, we can't destroy ourselves in the process. And from what I understand, there are quite a few options that would drastically help our energy needs without destroying us. Uh, but nobody's willing to look into them. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a big, ba- like, there's a lot of things we can use, um, and find alternate ways. Like, again, we can find alternate ways of harnessing wind energy and water and, and hydroelectric stuff. Like, because, there's always going to be a certain, like the water, like yeah sure, fresh water is depleting, but you can have desalinization plants and stuff like that to bring in more fresh water from our oceans and stuff. And there, you, you don't need the huge tall wind towers to the um, turbines and stuff for harnessing wind energy. There's smaller ones you can put on your home. Mm -hmm. Um, Solar panels, again, love the idea, but like my house, I can't use them. Um, And again, they, they create a whole new, thing of to produce them and all that stuff is probably more toxic than some other things and and it does create a whole new hazard with um fire service and stuff like that on my aspect but i looked into solar for my home because i have a i have a four-bedroom house like it's not small (laughs) and i have three kids they don't understand the power thing of um, i don't want to support pico any more than i have to (laughs) i don't like having every single light in my house on like we literally have invested in Alexa light switches and light bulbs and all of that. So that my husband and I can turn them off from our phone when the kids go around and turn every single light on going to the bathroom and don't turn them off on their way back because yeah. they don't like the dark. <laughs> so it's a big thing of, uh, I, re- really educating on con- conservation of energy and, and understanding, um, that the whole concept of every action has an opposite and equal reaction um, going back to basic common sense and, and everything and, and educating our students um, and really a big thing we need is with education stuff is is bringing back civics yeah. and really getting those kids to understand and and not just fall in line and be brainwashed at such a young age and indoctrinated into like, yeah, this is okay. It's like, no, no, this is not okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you have rights.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So we're, uh, uh, gosh, this went by quick. Um, we're at an hour. I uh, I got one more question in here that I think is a good one that um, I probably should have asked right off the bat but uh thank you I, I don't know who this is but thank you for asking this question you know what what are the roles and duties as a pa state representative and how many people will you represent
1: um off the top of my head i don't know the exact numbers but um it's definitely that like it's it's four ta- uh there's about four ta- four townships mm-hmm. so it's a big a big area um not nearly as big as senate um, but a lot of thing with house is just proposing legislation into wanting to be law and really just helping assist your area with different things with the state. Like there's um, a couple of things that like Wendy Thomas and Megan Schroeder have done for like, let's say, local fire companies, getting grants from the state to build firehouses and, and just helping your local municipality sometimes um, get funding from the state and just really helping them and giving your people a say and, and having like a say for that little section of the state um, back in Harrisburg and being that voice uh, and letting them not be, um, not letting them get bullied by the other parts of the state and and really standing up. And that's a big thing I'm for is I not going to, I'm not going to go and trade votes. I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll vote for yours if you vote for mine. Um, But no, a lot of it is if you can convince me why your bill is a good bill and it's got merit, then I'll probably vote for it. But if it's missing something or something I just cannot morally stand by or it's not going to benefit my district, then I'm not going to vote for it.
0: We uh, we definitely need, you know, if if government must exist, uh, we need people who are principled that will stand up for things like health, freedom, uh, stand up for things like mental health, uh, stand up for good schools. Uh, stand up for our national guard, those sorts of things. And, uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been really impressed with, uh, with what you've had to offer in terms of your answers tonight. And I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Is there anything, anything else you'd like to like to say before uh, wrapping up?
1: Um, pretty much if you don't see me on in this year, I'm definitely not going away. I will be back.
0: <laughs> cool. I'm coming
1: around. I'm not, this isn't going to deter me. So, I'm definitely going to be involved in at least in the next two years, really pushing and getting everything squared away.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Keep fighting. And where uh, it's up for my viewers, but for my uh, listeners on Apple and Spotify and Stitcher and elsewhere, um, where can they find information about your campaign?
1: Uh, my campaign, my website is Brittany 4 PA.com. And that is F O R P A, not the number.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, spelling on the first name. Cause I know it's kind of, yeah. It's uh, b
1: r i. T-T-A-N-Y. Cool.
0: Brittany for PA.com. Uh, Brittany, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. It was a great conversation. And for all my viewers, um, yeah, join me next week. I'll have Caroline Avery from U.S. House District 1 right up there in Bucks County as well. I know uh, it's supposedly a Philly thing, but hey, uh, Bucks, is, uh, Bucks is greater Philadelphia, so I'm happy to serve you guys too. And uh, as always, I'm running for mayor, uh, tdphilly.com. We're going to get a a full website up here pretty soon. We're actually going to be meeting with that this week. And as always, um, as I like to say, uh, be strong, be courageous, and be sovereign. Peace out.